Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Austin Haynes with the Waking Justice Project. In today's podcast, we'll interview a true revolutionary who's making evolutionary change in their community. Resilient communities are the core building blocks of a just and sustainable global society. And the foundation of a resilient community is a just and sustainable local food economy. It's why the global revolution starts at home, at local farms and community gardens, at grocery co-ops and local food hubs, in your own garden, in your kitchen, and on your plate. The local food supply chain is the foundation of a self-reliant community, and resilient, self-reliant communities are the core building blocks of a just and sustainable new society, a new social system that will make this existing system of corruption obsolete. That is the revolution we seek. The real revolution is a strategic, non-violent revolution. It builds self-reliance and community resilience. The real revolution is a local revolt. I've always felt called to Austin, Texas. It is, after all, the city that my mom acquired my name from. But I've just never made it down here. Until now. When I pulled up into Austin on this sunny July day in Texas, the temperature was sitting right at 100 degrees outside. All I could think about was finding something refreshing and healthy to eat. So I jumped on the Happy Cow app to look at what my options were to relax, get some work done, and grab a bite for lunch. As soon as I saw the picture of the food and atmosphere at Casa de Luz, I knew that was exactly where I should be. I was in town looking for people playing a unique role in their local food economy. I thought this might be a good place to start asking around. I was eating from a delicious, colorful, and substantial plate just a couple minutes after walking in. The food was great. They mentioned something about macrobiotics, but I wasn't sure what that was or what that meant. Yet. I sat outside on the patio and enjoyed the almost half-tropical, half-desert-like vibe the courtyard exudes. Before I left, I briefly spoke with the manager about my podcast on local food and was told a little bit about the restaurant's founder, a guy called Wyo. I rolled out, mega full and satisfied, but with a surprisingly light energy, and continued my journey exploring Austin. I was driving around, checking out other local food leads, when I decided to text a close musician friend of mine who had recently relocated back to Austin before COVID. Rashad quickly texted back and said he was grabbing a bite to eat. He said I should come meet him for a minute. I called him up and asked him where we should meet at. He said, I'm at my favorite little vegan spot. You've got to come check it out. It's called Casa de Luz. Out of all the awesome restaurants in Austin, I literally just ate there. Of course, I would come to Rashad's city and somehow miss running into him by a matter of minutes. So I headed back to Casa. Rashad smiled in surprise as I walked back in. Come to find out, Rashad had worked and volunteered there for seven years. I told him about my podcast and that I was looking for people playing a grassroots role in their local food economy. He said, you've got to meet Casa's founder, Wyo. The stars had aligned. 
Rashad was the connector. He introduced us and the podcast was set up for the next day. This is the story of Wyo Longoria and Casa de Luz. All right, what's up everybody? We're here in Austin, Texas today at the beautiful Casa de Luz. And this place is actually really special. There's a lot going on here. I stumbled upon this place yesterday on my way into Austin. And I'm sitting here with some very special and unique people. And uh, can you just introduce yourself and let everybody know who you are and why this place is so cool and unique? Thank you, Austin. Uh, My name is Eduardo Longoria, but everybody calls me Guayo. And one conversation that we were having prior to the interview is what role I play here. Well, there's so many things that are out of the box that happen here that they're hard to explain with labels. So if you say restaurant, everybody gets an image of what a restaurant is and a series of expectations come up for them. You sit down, a waitress comes, takes your order, all those, a list of things. Well, we do serve food here, but that's where the similarities end. Everything about this is on purpose. One of the things that defines us is our constant search for doing it better, for accessing better food or better plants, how to prepare the food, how to balance the food, how to give uh, our community the largest array of nutrients that they can access so that their magical pharmacist, being their body, their mitochondria, can select what they need. So I can tell you things about me, and one of them is that I do not take supplements. Not a single supplement. Because I am getting all my nutrients here. And you tell me that some people will only hear the audio of this. I just want to tell you that I'm 76, and I'm being told that I look a lot younger. I certainly don't feel that that age, and I, I don't get sick. I don't go see doctors. And all I do is take my three times a day Holy Communion, which is the meal that I get here at Casa de Luz. So back to who I am. Since I was around at the very beginning, people want to call me owner, which I'm not because this is a nonprofit. And people want to call me the founder, which I'm not because this movement has been around longer than I was here. So I I just jumped on the bandwagon. And people want to call me, okay, well, you're the the fellow who signs the checks. Well, somebody's got to sign checks. Uh, But I can tell you that my greatest job at this place is to keep the center of the wheel empty. What I mean by that is that I cannot step in and, and... usurp the idea that I did this and that I'm the, 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 the father of this organization. Because truly, once you spend some time here, you will see quickly that this is really made up by the community. And everyone gets to mold it and take it forward into the future. And I will also tell you that after 36 years of doing this, the time has come for us to share this. This is why I'm so grateful for this interview and that you are broadcasters. You're taking the good word out there. And so this is an open invitation for anyone that wants to start a community, a wellness community that resembles this one, to come because we will share everything we have. Awesome, so, all right, that's a great answer. Um, And first of all, you're extremely modest. 
and I respect that, and it's really awesome. But yeah, so you're an educator, and you're here in the community, you're helping people, and I'm, I gotta say, I've been educated since I got here. I got here yesterday, and I had no idea what I was stumbling into, and I found this amazing microbiotic food. I said that right, right? No. No. Okay, what is it? Well, literally, it means the great life. Macro being big, bio meaning life. And it was a movement that started about 80 years ago. But it's more of a philosophy. It's not a recipe book. So I'd like to say that we're not a formula, but we're a forum for discussion. Otherwise, we become dogmatic. And that doesn't work in the long run. You know, people love dogma. Yeah, give me the leader. I want to listen to him. And, and they go out and profess his teachings. Well, that's not what we are. That's why everybody's got a voice here. When you're dealing with new concepts, it just requires way more, more words. Labels are convenient. They're expedient. Like I said, you call a restaurant a restaurant, and people pretty well know what they're going to get. People don't know what they're going to get here. You've got to come and experience it. Maybe one day this will have a, a, a label. I'll tell you what, we do have a label here. So looking for what to call this place, I learned of the uh, Institute for Integral Studies in San Francisco. And I said, you know, integral, that's all-inclusive. Studies, that's not dogma. If you're studying, that means you're, you're still learning. So that's one label that we have for this place. This is the Center for Integral Studies. It's all-inclusive. It's all-encompassing. It's all-accepting. Uh, we have a really diverse group of people that come here. This place does not advertise. So what you end up getting are a group of people that have set a high intention for themselves, and they look for places like this, like you did. And when they arrive, they bring their own energy, their own thoughts, their own feelings. And in these community tables, everyone, this is really important, everybody gets the same meal. There's no menu. So the meal has been purposely designed to be the best we know today. So can you just kind of like let the people know what foods are macrobiotic? So the all-encompassing meal starts with a soup, which is usually vegetables or beans. Everybody loves the soups. Mm -hmm. I do. And then you get a plate, and the plate always has a legume, a grain, a dark leafy green. It has vegetables and a pickle. So pickles are high in enzymes, so we always have a dollop of pickle. And all those items vary. So we have a, a, a room stocked full of different kinds of beans, mm. of different kinds of grains, different kinds of vegetables. Dark leafy greens, well, yeah, we're kind of reduced down to kale because that's the, the champion of all time. It, it is more nutrients per calorie than, than any other food. Uh, so that being said, there's many things that we pay attention to. One of them is the nightshade family, Solanaceae. And Solanaceae are plants that um, grow at night. Uh, they are toxic. They take in oxygen and put out carbon monoxide. So you don't sleep under your tomato plant. And uh, they are inflammatory. So for if you're young and healthy, eat a tomato. It's got lycopene. It's got some good things for you. But if you're starting to feel any inflammation, and by the way, inflammation is the big, yeah. the big thing now, you know. 
Uh, so that's the first thing you want to eliminate. You want to eliminate uh, all peppers. Pepper is in the nightshade, but all peppers are. Hmm, okay. uh, you want to eliminate uh, tomatoes, potatoes, eggplant. Uh, there's a lot of other solanaceae that are, are overtly poisonous, like deadly belladonna, tobaccos and nightshade. Uh, and so we just don't do them here. Now, we don't call things good or bad. We try to understand what they do and how they affect us. And one last thing. So a long time ago, like 30 years ago, we decided, what, how are we going to get people to eat their greens? Well, it's our nut sauces, which are always made fresh. Uh, I put a little emphasis on always made fresh because people come up to me and say, oh, you ought to bottle this and sell it. And no, the moment we bottle it, it's no longer our sauce. Because you bottle it, and what immediately happens is it starts its oxidation. It's, uh, it becomes carcinogenous. You know, uh, I, in my past, I built a vegetable oil plant in Mexico. We had a very large laboratory because the moment you extract the oil from the seed or the nut, it dies. It's dead. It's already fractured. And by the way, you eat fractured food, you have fractured thinking. So this is just to give you an idea of the all-encompassing way that we try to think here. And that's why it's so important that uh, we honor every person that's drawn to come here and that we get to listen to them at these community tables. Well, I love that. And um, I was totally drawn here yesterday. And I don't know what it is about this place, but something told me to come here. And everything about it has been revolutionary in its own way and very community oriented, which is what this podcast is all about. And one thing here at Wake and Justice, what we uh, talk about a lot is building a parallel society. So a lot of people right now, they're, they're frustrated and we're frustrated with society, to say the least. So what we're trying to, you know, get to the people, the point we're trying to get across is that we can build a new society, kind of a parallel society. It's not about tearing the old one down per se. It's about building up a new one from the ground level. And so could you explain to people what all y'all do here? Because it's not just a eatery, if you will. It's not a restaurant. I know that. But yeah, people come here to get fed very nutritious foods, which is very empowering. But there's also a school here. I see there's a yoga studio here. So can you just explain to people what is going on here and how was this all created and why? And also, if you could relate that to, um, you know, how other people can maybe have the idea of building something similar in their community. Well, I'll start by being economical with words. So I'll refer to our friend Whitley Smith, who comes here, and he says, you know, I get a lot of good nutrition at Casa Luz, and the food ain't bad either. <laughs> so it really is about community, and if you think about it, when we get together, it's always over food or drink. And this brings people together. Food is the rudder for humanity. And without a compass, a good compass, that we can get by having holy communion with Mother Earth by eating the plants just as they came out, uh, then we become disconnected. And our religion here is connection. Uh, so I'll, I'll just quickly tell you why I use the word religion. When I refer to this and calling this my religion, 
because it comes from Latin re-ligare, which means to rebind, to put things back together. And so my religion here at Casa Luz is connection. And by the way, we're faster than fast food. You get your food here faster than going through a drive-thru and yep. placing an order. Yep. You've already experienced yep. that, right? And everyone gets the same meal. And then they sit at community tables. And it doesn't take long for people to understand how it works because we are intuitive. We haven't lost that original, that original soul that we had before we had cars and buildings. And we lived in communities where the grandparents took care of the children. When humans were having their babies at age 13, because they had the grandparents, aunts and uncles to take care of their, of their kids. And today we live in a society that's so askew that we tell our kids that they have to use contraceptives because they're not ready to have children because the whole social structure doesn't sustain the natural way. And there's many more examples that's just a really poignant one. I've told all my kids, I've had six kids, I tell them, you know, the reason that we have difficulty in your teenage years is because you really should be on your own right now. That's the natural order. But our society doesn't support that. You need me to take you to your friends. Uh, you're dependent on me when you really should be independent. So knowing that, let's agree that we have to suffer through this and make the best of it. But really, the social order needs to change to more natural ways of being. So that's what we get to experience here. Uh, for the women, and there's plenty of women that bring their children, those children end up having aunts and uncles in this environment. There's this wonderful connection. The children that come here regularly end up having uh, that sense of connection and what it means to live in a tribe, in a healthy tribe. You also ask what's evolved here. Well, so this particular building we found 30 years ago as a abandoned meatpacking plant. It had been in an abandoned state for 13 years. Uh, the, the roofs had caved in. It's built like a refrigerator. There are uh, styrofoam panels uh, that our engineers said that we would have to tear down and send out to the dump. Well, we said styrofoam, no, we'll save it. So we saved all that. We ended up having uh, schools and community spaces uh, and the dining room, and it all works together. The one thing that we were missing for so many years is places for people to live. But in the last five years, we've had a building that's right next to us that has 250 residences. On the other side, and you won't be able to see it, another 250 residences. So this can become that eco-village that I always dreamed about. Here where we are used to be derelict row. Uh, abandoned buildings, this was an, uh, an abandoned meatpacking plant. Next door was an abandoned uh, potato chip factory. And <laughs> we're getting a chuckle from Paul over here. Uh, yeah, uh, lots of irony, lots of irony. And, and I see lots of irony when, when we deal with higher concepts, there's a lot of irony. You know, the, the, the duality that we live in, because our reality is duality. There's, there's hot and cold, male, female. You know, we live in duality. By the way, macrobiotics is also the study of duality, but we call it yin and yang. But here, what you get to do is you get to see the opposites closer together. And when the opposites are far apart, 
then people don't get it. They can't see the other side of the equation because there's always the other side of the equation. But all this happens in a very natural and easy way with no teachers when you eat in the way that we serve. I've seen it. I see that it works. I see that it makes you uh, doctor-free. Uh, you know, we're, we're just into wellness. Yeah, thanks for that. Uh, you said a, a moment ago that fractured food cultivates fractured thinking. Could you spend a little, a little, a few minutes explaining what you mean by that? Yeah, you've heard the. We've all heard the term, we are what we eat. If food is industrialized, then we're part of the industrialized world. And so I could spend a few minutes telling you why it makes us crazy or, or have crazy action and why it makes us sick. Uh, here's the thing, uh, Paul, is that what we've got here is purely simple. Not a lot of words are needed. Uh, so to your audience, I can say that I hope I've whetted your appetite to come and see how this works or whetted your appetite to start looking for things that are unpackaged, uh, food that doesn't require a label, doesn't require a list of ingredients. I mean, our carrots, our cabbage, our potatoes, they don't have a list of ingredients. It just is. It doesn't need a label. If you don't know what a carrot is, then I don't know what to say about you. But it's all very simple, natural, uh, life-enhancing, wellness-enhancing. But yes, fractured food, fractured thinking. When you eat a, a chicken that's been tortured all its life and it lives in a state of stress, it produces a set of chemicals. And those chemicals stay in their, in their muscles, which people call meat. Oh, give me the, the drumstick. Give me, I, I want some, I even forgot the terms for the different parts of a chicken. Uh, and it even turns my stomach to think, of, think that way. And you're hearing this from somebody that lived his first part of his life in those industries. I ran a 100,000-acre ranch with 6,000 motherhead, a feedlot, and a slaughterhouse. I ran a 100,000 chicken farm where we cauterized the chickens' beaks so they wouldn't kill each other. We did the most horrendous, unspeakable things to the animals. And by the way, I've also been on safari. I've killed an elephant and many other animals uh, in that state of disconnection, in my state of sin. So, so I like to use words literally. So sin is an archery term. It means off the mark. So I lived a life of being off the mark. And I'm here to tell you that if, if you're starving up in the Arctic Circle, uh, go ahead and eat an animal. But otherwise, you know, what are you doing living in the Arctic Circle? You know, go where the food grows naturally. There's a wonderful book that we used to carry here called The, the Face on Your Plate. That book converted so many people off of eating uh, any kind of animal because you've got to connect to the fact that animals are families just like us. I was in Costa Rica, and this pig was a, like the family pet. But they were racing it to eat it eventually. I was, happened to be there when they're walking it to slaughter. And I heard that pig crying. Even today, I, I, it, it sends chills up my spine. No, no, forget industrial, forget any kind. 
we need to uh, respect other life forms that are so much like us. They have babies. They take care of their babies. You know, the, the thought of eating them today is so abhorrent. I mean, this man that killed an elephant today will capture a cockroach inside my house and take it outside. And it's a wonderful life. I, I, I'm ashamed of my previous life. Um, there's so many better ways to get people to connect with the animal kingdom. First of all, we've got to call it what it is, and it's cannibalism. Because when we're eating like-kind like animals, we're animals, they're animals, and we're eating them. And that's not the natural order. So as single-celled beings, we ate single-celled plants. As complex uh, beings, we ate complex plants. And we evolved that way. We were always eating from the other side of the evolutionary uh, path. Uh, when we eat animals, we're eating back on our own path. Because we have evolved from being zygotes, uh, multi-celled animals, so, uh, being fish, being lizards. This is our evolutionary path. Anytime we eat back on it, it's cannibalism. So you're hearing this, this story from somebody that's lived in that world, totally disconnected, getting sick all the time. I mean, getting the flu, and by the way, this applies to COVID. Getting the flu for me back then was an ordeal. It would take me two, three weeks to get over it, and then another two weeks to get over the cough. Today, when I get any flu, including COVID, it is a matter of hours, a, a matter of one day maybe. And I'm a, a follower of Dr. Sack Bush, who's a triple certified uh, medical doctor. And I, I'm going to quote him here for a minute, if you don't mind. So uh, Dr. Bush says, viruses have been on this earth four billion years. Humans evolved from viruses. There are so many viruses around us that, that science cannot count them. And viruses are packets of information. So we take them in, we get the information, our system says, okay, I've got it, expels them. And now we're, we're in symbiosis and in harmony with nature. We need to get the viruses, very much like the mothers that have chicken pox parties. They say, I want my, my child to get it. I mean, even, even uh, medicine wants to give it to us uh, and, and in ways that are not really healthy. We need to do it in a natural way. Now, in order to take in these viruses, including COVID, we need to be in good health. Otherwise, you're going to be like me when I used to be a meat eater and eating processed foods. It's not going to go very well. You know, it, 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 my, my body isn't in that kind of harmony. My computer hasn't been updated with the information that nature has for me. So I encourage everyone to listen to any of the talks by Dr. Sack Bush. Sack is like Zachary, by the way. Uh, Bush is like George Bush. Maybe I shouldn't make that, in, that comparison, but there you have it. That was great. So just to sum up, the uh, fractured thinking is related to the foods that people are taking in. And the broader point that you made is that, with your example of COVID, is that if, there's an, if, if there is an epidemic, it's really an epidemic of poor health, right? Well and that we always have viruses coming into our system. We have for the entire course of humanity, but what we're in right now is an epidemic of bad health. And that's what you're trying to address. That, that's beautiful. 
Beautifully said, Paul. Thank you. I, I wanted to make sure you had the mic for you to send it. But it's, it was beautifully said by you, and it was very inspiring because when you think about people, that, that, that idea that you put out there about people eating fractured food have fractured thinking, if they're in a constant state of disease or disease where they're constantly fighting those flus you were talking about when you were in the business, you're necessarily, your body and energy is necessarily preoccupied with fighting disease all the time as opposed to enjoying elevated health, right? So I think that is really straightforward. You're right. It is really a simple point to make. With your audience, uh, and I hope there's plenty of you out there, uh, I've been wondering how many voices are going to go out there and give the different perspective on COVID-19? Because right now, everything that I see happening is illogical, and it's uh, and it's the opposite of what we should be doing. You know, people are wearing masks, and they take them off to eat junk food, and they put the mask back on. You know, what's happening out there? Then, then we, we're making our children wear masks. I've watched a few videos or documentaries on people measuring the amount of carbon monoxide that we're retaking in. I mean, our exhale is, is we're exhausting. We're, we're an exhaust system. It's, we're, ex, you know, throwing out the toxins. But then we keep them in the mask. There's, there's a better way. And, and, and the voices that are talking like I'm talking are being silenced. Uh, so thank you for this broadcast. Uh, and everyone out there that's taken the time to listen to this, I'm eternally grateful. I, uh, if you're not watching a video, I'm getting teary-eyed because this is a movement that we all need to listen to, listen to Sack Bush, listen to Paul and Austin here who are uh, taking the time, uh, directing their lives to share this kind of information that's critical so we can create the next humanity. And just a moment ago, Paul and I were talking about that what we're doing is not new. It's not novel. Uh, what we're doing here used to be the way it was when we lived as tribe, when we all lived next door to each other with our aunts and uncles and grandparents. Uh, we've lost that. We're, uh, we have so many elements in, in the way that we live that separate us, that cr create lack of connection. So make connection your religion. Connect and love the virus. Love COVID. Love cancer. Cancer are just cells that have lost their way. They don't, they don't know it anymore that they belong to us. And so that change of attitude will set off a set of chemistry within us that will make it better. Wow. That was huge. I think earlier, Paul, you were talking about uh, is food the way out? And I say a resounding yes, absolutely. We've got to start with our food. That's where we get our operating instructions from Mother Earth and viruses as well. We need to connect with Mother Earth. If you're stressed, go out and hug a tree. It's, it's, it's a criticism that's hurled against uh, people who would rather have love than war, but it's, it, it works. My son, one of my sons, when he was a teenager, called me up and he says, I don't know what to do. I, I feel like killing myself. And I said, son, drop everything you're doing. 
go out to and I told him which forest and just sit by a tree. He called me a few hours later and said, it worked. It worked. Hug a tree. That's simple. Eat simple food. Don't eat food that comes in packages that needs uh, labels and list of ingredients. Keep it simple. Go back to Mother Earth. Uh, and I think we said enough so that people don't think that I'm so radical that I'm saying, hey, go, go out and have a uh, COVID-19 party. And by the way, I have heard of some kids doing that. And I hope that they're doing it in, in a mindful way. In other words, getting together and saying, look, we're healthy enough. Let's get it. Let's be part of that, that herd immunity. Uh, I don't know this, but that's a novel idea. And I think that's something that people ought to consider. If you're healthy enough, get it, and now be that stone wall for it, for it not to spread. What I'm really saying is not one way, but that we all should be thinking uh, out of the box and get out of our habituation. Notice how often you say like and you know in your conversation. And practice elocution. Practice eating differently. Practice being a different person. Stop eating with your right hand if you're right-handed. Start eating with your left hand and see if it doesn't change your world. You know, this, that's what we've got to do right now. We've got to think differently. We've got to think from a different place. You know, the Course in Miracles says that a miracle, it defines a miracle as the ability to see something from a different angle. So let's become that kind of human being that's willing to understand that masks aren't really what's going to stop this pandemic or fear-demic, uh, because I think that's really worse than the virus itself. We, we have to stop villainizing the virus. Right. So you're talking about this epidemic of COVID-19, and, and you're saying that um, really the people who are most susceptible are those who are in poor health. So it's really an epidemic of poor health. Because you've also said that humans have uh, lived alongside and with viruses, you know, in the entire history of our species. So, um, so we're, we're really in an epidemic of poor health. And uh, what you all are trying to do here is improve human health, which would improve this, improve, improve upon our susceptibility to epidemics, right? It would be the end of epidemics. It would be the end of epidemics. So can you tell us, can you restate that and tell us a bit more about what you mean? I need to uh, acknowledge Dr. Sack Bush because that's where I got my information. And he talks about uh, viruses being on this planet for four billion years. Humans evolved from viruses and there are more viruses surrounding us than science can count. And viruses are not alive. Uh, they're not living creatures. Uh, they do reproduce. Uh, but there's no killing the virus. So the, the way out of situations like this is to uptake the virus, understand it as, as packets of information. Our bodies will recognize it, and it'll do its chemistry. And it prepares us for the next one. Uh, if you listen to another doctor, Dr. Michael Greger, his uh, podcast today, of today, he's saying, get ready... This is just a practice run for the next, next pandemic. And I'm saying we can avert it. We can end it if we all start getting close to Mother Earth, listening to Mother Earth, see what we've got here at Casa Luz, how we make it so easy. 
go take a class, in, a cooking class, veganism, whole food, whole plant. And you take out your notebook and you're sitting there for an hour, hour and a half. And it's kind of exciting. And you take all these notes and your shopping list. And then you go get your, your ingredients. Almost guaranteed that 90% of the people will lose 90% of, of those foods in the refrigerator. Because when it comes time to cooking it, it's, it's all a jumble. So we think that experiential learning is really the best. So by just coming here and partaking, you get it. No having to memorize or writing down. Uh, and besides, unless you live in a household of, say, 8, 10, 15 people, uh, where doing your own cooking makes sense, if you're a single person or a couple, the best thing to do is form a community so you can eat as a family with other like-minded people. So it's so important not to go and get your wonderful food and eat it by yourself. That's awesome. So I just want to tie that all back together and just ask you simply for the people out there who are wondering, man, how can I start this in my community? How can I get out there and start doing these things? Can you just give them a little bit of advice, maybe, you know, how you got started, but also what they can do right now in 2020 to get started themselves? I'm certainly not uh, pushing any products, but we do have a cookbook and it tells stories. Uh, we're running out of it, too. We're going to have to do a new printing. I was hoping that on the, the next edition I can do exactly that, Austin, that we could write how people can start a community. It's actually very simple. It's very simple if you can get out of your habitual thinking. Because if you think you're going to do a restaurant, get ready for a hell of a lot of work and a lot of failure because uh, people doing restaurants, there's a 90% restaurant failure. Uh, this is so simple. It's like having an extended family come and eat at your house. That's how you start, and you start expanding it. And as more people come, then you look for another location. Stay away from anything commercial. Stay away from anything that, that looks commercial. Like, don't go pay high rent at a highly trafficked place. People will find you. Size it accordingly. Before COVID, we were serving 500 people a day. Uh, today we're serving more like 200. But you can size it. You can, you, it can be a, a community of 10 people. If you're doing it right, then it'll, it'll grow. Do it any way you can. It could be borrowed. If somebody has a large house and they're not using the whole place, approach them and say, look, this is what we want to do. Lend us your kitchen. Let us do it here. There's so many, so many ways. Uh, but the, here again, and I'll repeat it. The key is keep it simple. Stay non-commercial. Don't do it for profit. Know that the greatest profit is the food that you're going to get to eat there and the friends that you're going to make there. And that will make for the most luxurious, uh, elegant life that you can imagine. Is there anything happening in Austin that's, that's working toward uh, providing uh, stable food security towards ending food insecurity? Do you know of any uh, projects that are happening that, that you may or may not be participating in? I'm hearing of more and more people farming. We, we just had a friend walk by and tell us that he's moving into a new house, and part of his new house is going to have a farm. I'll tell you a story. I went to Cuba uh, at one of their crises. It was when the Soviet, Soviet Union had pulled out, and I saw people growing food out of their 
potted plants. Instead of having potted plants, they were growing food. In the uh, strip between the street and the sidewalk, they were growing food. They were gro growing food everywhere they could. For me, that's, that's the answer. Not, sometimes things have to get bad enough. I mean, talk about a crisis. They, when Russia pulled out, or the Soviet Union pulled out, and no longer gave them uh, uh, petroleum, they were getting all their petroleum from there. All their industry came to a standstill. Uh, everybody was out of work. But they got busy growing food because Mother Earth is so abundant. Uh, the other part of your question is, do I know of organizations? Well, I've known that there have been organizations in Austin, uh, like the Green Corn Project, who you could hire and they would come and, and set up your, your farm. Uh, presently, my daughter is wanting to move to Costa Rica, and she's talking to a group that will give you a turnkey estate for something like $390,000. You get a house, four, five, ten acres, with a farm that will feed your whole family. It's all turnkey. Uh, that is the answer moving forward. We've just got to have this reestablish our connection with our food source. It, it has to be outside our window, like Bill Mollison said, uh, to regain our sanity, to, gr to regain that compass that's going to lead us into a disease-free, happier, more connected life. I love that you brought up Cuba. Um, because we have been studying the Cuba miracle, and just to put a fine point on it for the folks listening, back during the Cuban Missile Crisis and right after, there were massive blockades around Cuba, um, and that blocked the Soviet Union from being able to get in uh, to bring food and petroleum. And in the process of blocking the Soviet Union, the Soviet Union was also in the process of collapsing. And um, there was about almost a 10-year stretch there, and there's been some really great scientific studies, uh, scientific research done on this, about the, the, the miracle that happened over that decade in Cuba, where people started growing all their own food in their lawns. And it was a, it was a, it was a national mandate. It was a national mandate to do that, um, you know, in solidarity. And it created uh, some really great things. Not only did it create a, a, an abundance of food, but it created community uh, at the neighborhood level because they started sharing food. They started sharing their, their, their food products and so forth. And Austin and I are playing with an idea. Did you want to speak to that? i got to jump on that. Oh, one. please do. So, so uh, I was raised a Catholic, which is kind of dogmatic in my world. And Where were you raised? In Nuevo Laredo, Mexico. And I didn't like it. But I was always curious about the uh, fishes and loaves miracle. Well, I heard a story that makes a lot of sense. Hey, I don't know if it's true. But that would really happened it wasn't jesus you know getting fishes and loaves out of the thin air everybody at that time would travel with their food and it usually was bread and and dried fish and so jesus in his sense of abundance and giving started sharing his food and it caught on and everybody started sharing their food and all of a sudden they had this huge feast so the same wow. thing and so it formed community and love and connection and wellness. And, and when you start feeling that, chemistry starts happening in your body. You start getting well, and any illness starts going away. That's awesome. That's awesome. There's, there's a lot of uh, revolution in the, in the real Jesus story, and I think you're on to the real story there. I mean, that, that, that whole era and what that group were trying to do in terms of revolutionizing, you know, a society of mutual aid and sharing, uh, you know, through love and food. 
It's really cool. So thanks for sharing that. We were very eager to find this model, and we're so lucky that we came to Austin on our first trip, and our the first restaurant he walks into is this one. You know, I mean, magical stuff happens around this boy anyway, huh? Church, Church man. Yeah. I mean, I really don't know what else to say. I'm just blown away. I just want to, like, process all this information because you have given us such a wealth of knowledge today sitting here at Casa de Luz. Maybe we'll just have to partner up and uh, build this basic structure out in other cities, right? Because, I mean, that sounds like what needs to happen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yo, thanks for listening to the podcast today. If you're currently involved in a local project that strengthens the links in your local food supply chain, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at wakingjustice.org and tell us about your work. And if you want to learn more about local revolutionaries making evolutionary change in their communities, find us on your favorite podcast platform or head on over to wakingjustice.org to meet the team check out more episodes, and learn more about the project. And to become a financial supporter of this podcast and to gain access to members-only content, visit patreon.com slash wakingjustice. And remember, the real revolution builds self-reliance and community resilience. That's why the real revolution is a local revolt. You must be involved in the struggle for freedom. And justice. If this is justice is waking, justice is rising, justice is waking, justice is rising, if justice is waking, justice is rising, and the nature of us is all Justice is rising and it ain't just us, it's all of us. If it's our love.